In a world filled with questions, there's one role that often leaves us searching for the right words, parenting. Introducing What to Say When, a podcast that equips parents with tools to navigate the beautiful and challenging journey of raising children. Together, we'll explore a wide range of topics from handling tough conversations to nurturing resilience to helping you become a confident and compassionate parent. What to say when. Because the right words can make all the difference. All right, welcome to the second episode of the What to Say When podcast. And uh, this is not about if you're looking for a dating podcast, if you're looking Hmm. for uh, how to be a leader in the workplace podcast. This is not those. Um, This is a What to Say When podcast for parenting. So if you are a parent or want to be a parent, um, we're talking about the things that you want to say when your kid asks a serious question or does a dumb thing, like whatever it is, that's what we're talking about. So I'm Nick. I'm Jen. I'm Chase. Okay, guys, I want to take us back for a minute. Okay, so we have no you, idea what you're going to do in these moments. You don't know. These are you, all about what's about yeah, to happen. Nick, I already have a kiddo that's in this stage. We don't yet, but Ooh, think it's back your question. to when you first started driving. What was it like, and maybe what mistake did you make in those first few weeks or that first year of driving? As a driver. As a driver, when you first got your license and you were free. You mean, besides the fact I got a ticket like two weeks into it? Yes. Tell us that. How did you get a ticket so fast? Well, it was on. I was. (laughs) Because I was going over the speed limit. You totally caught yourself. How did you get a ticket so fast? That's right. I was going down a hill right. And it was embarrassing because Mm -hmm. I was going driving to high school. And there's a hill right before you get to the high school. And so I was getting some speed. Okay, what was the speed limit and what were you clocked at? I'm sure it was 35. I'm sure I was going like 55 and a 35, something like that. But I remember being pulled over and all my classmates just driving past me on that that main road. It was so... There's no way that you were going to keep that from your parents. No. No. So, wow. That was pretty bad. That's pretty bad. It was in the first couple of weeks. That's pretty quick. Yeah. That's pretty quick. Did you have a... You you were a perfect driver, weren't you? No, but yep. I did. But kind of. Well, no, we've ta- no. I had I've had speeding tickets and I've had car accidents, um, little altercations and things like that. But I also started driving in the 1900s. So thanks, appreciate you making sure everybody knows <laughs> the age of the person that you're talking about. Um, I very distinctly remember multiple times running out of gas. Oh, and I don't yes. necessarily like cars didn't ding or the car I had didn't ding and let you know sh- that you were but on it e. Showed you e. It showed you e. I know, and it showed the needle. <laughs> Going past it. I have no idea why, but all yeah, of a sudden, 40 more miles. there are so many moments when I ran out of gas. Um, and obviously, we didn't have cell phones. I mean, they existed, but I didn't have one at 16 years old. So you're literally walking to yes. a payphone or walking to the nearest business, asking to use the phone, calling home, knowing that your dad was going to be so yes. mad yeah. that this happened. Yeah. So I'm just a little bit behind you, but that was actually our our age that we were allowed to get a cell phone was 16 when we yeah. started driving. My story, I'm going to confess a really embarrassing story when I started driving. I think it was actually like a year after I started driving. So it wasn't in those first couple of weeks or anything. But I lived down the street from a friend. I turned as I was driving. She was coming out of her street. I was turning onto my street. I turned to wave at her. And as I turned my steering wheel, I drove right into a brick mailbox yes that was only three houses down from, from our house. house i totaled my car destroyed the mailbox i was only going like no. 15 miles an hour oh, or something no. but that turn hard no. force and then i got out of the car didn't know what to do 
ran to my house, left the scene of the crime. My parents. <laughs> you left your car. You left- I left my total car sitting there right oh, no. with nice the bricks away. all over the ground that I had just destroyed. Yes. It was bad. It was a very bad accident. I had well, to get a new car. I don't know if we had time for this one, but um, I want to tell you it anyway. Else? Yeah, I do. I have a lot. Um, <laughs> But I was, I grew up in the sticks. I grew up in the country, um, as you could probably tell from my vocals. I can't hear um, it at all. So, so I remember, I remember really? I had a Pontiac Grand Am. brand new information. Pontiac Grand Am. And it was maroon on the outside, maroon on the inside. It was really awesome. Monochromatic. And, tone and on, tone on, tone. And I had all these buddies that had trucks and they were always going off-roading, right? I was like, I'm going to do yeah, it in my car. Sure. So he went off road in, <laughs> in my car and I drowned the car pretty much. So I went Jeez. through a puddle. Did you hear the shock and all that? Just I know. I went through a puddle Jeez. that happened to be deeper than I intended it for oh, it to yeah. be. Oh, Swallowed my car. And so I had to push the thing home. Thankfully, it wasn't too far from the house. It was about half a mile from the house. But me and my buddy had to push the car home, pushed it in the driveway, hoping that my dad gets up in the next morning, it would crank over and start. Mercifully, it did, but it also had a cracked head gasket. If you don't know what that is, that uh, is very, very expensive. expensive. Yeah. Yes. That Maybe was, more than the value of the car at that point. That yeah. was a big mistake. Wow. Yeah. So, I feel like you win. I win. If there was a competition, Nick gets first place for just running out of gas. <laughs> I hit a mailbox and you drown your car. I drown my car. Yeah, you're wow. the winner. Absolutely. Wow. So. What to say when your kid messes up. Jen, when you were asking the question oh, of like yes. what to say when your kid messes up, mm-hmm. I immediately I went back to the idea of driving again. Yeah. And you know, what are we gonna say when our daughter has that first ticket or that first fender bender? One of the things that Susan asked me, kind of right as she went off to drive for the first time solo without us, and I spent a lot of time driving with her at fifteen and getting her ready and prepared, like logging a lot of driving hours. But then Susan asked me, she's like did you tell her what to do if she breaks down? And I thought, oh, no, I didn't. Mm. Like, that's not something I covered. Like, you know, move your car over to the right side of the road, turn on your hat. Like, any, I didn't mm. cover any of that information. So I just immediately got this picture of her panicking in the middle of traffic with all these cars honking their horn around her, speeding by her, making all sorts of gestures because she's broke down in the middle of the road. And what does she do? Like, I didn't prep her for like, what do you do when that happens? Um, and so that's a perfect segue. Cause that's, that's what we're talking about. Like yeah. your kids are going to mess up. They're going to make big, total foolish mistakes. Some of it's going to be unintentional. Yes. In fact, a lot of it's going to be unintentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of it is going to be intentional. Some of it is going to be out of the evil of their own yes. sinful heart. And they're going to do something on purpose that you've told them not to do, that you've warned them against, that hurts somebody else, that hurts them. Like they're going to do something that's just flat mm-hmm. out wrong. So it's not if, it's when. Um, and so what do you do as a parent when your kid makes those kinds of mistakes? There you go. First thing you think you have to do is assess what it is, um, what actually has occurred, um, what's what's gone on, and what is it, like, what is the actual situation, just to kind of yeah. assess, and then get to the root of the why. Was this an accident? Because I think a lot of times, and this is going back to even last week, when you can tune into that with with what to do when you mess up as a parent, there have been many moments when I have immediately jumped to the conclusion that something was on purpose, Mm -hmm. when in fact it was just the accident of being a clumsy or a not yet prepared to make a wise choice kid. Um, And so you gotta assess as a parent, like what actually occurred 
here? What actually went wrong? Was this intentional? Was it unintentional? Was it accident? Like what's, what's actually going on is probably yeah. the first step in. And we, we talked about mistakes. this a little bit. What's actually the age, the, the age where they um, really can take responsibility, like cognitive age. What is some of the data that we found on that? Well, and there's the age of reason is what it's called the age, at okay, the yeah, age yeah. of seven. Yeah. At that stage, they go into a developmental phase that's known as the age of reason, and it's cognitive, emotional, moral stage when they're more capable of rational thought. So we start holding them accountable more at that age of yes. seven, starting okay. starting to process through, okay, they probably did do this intentionally. There was a thought behind why they said that to their sister. Yeah. You know? And that doesn't mean that you don't begin in the parenting journey with rules, restrictions, yeah. boundaries, and consequences. Uh, but making sure that they're age appropriate yeah. and making sure that your child really can understand yeah. what went wrong, why it was not the wisest choice and what we need to yeah. do differently next time. And that's time. why we talk a lot about intentional parenting, because it really takes being an intentional parent to really know what age and stage mm-hmm. they are in understanding your child in that way. I mean, from ages seven to 11, we talk about this too. They are concrete thinkers. They're not abstract thinkers. Now, now we would also say that girls move into move it into a abstract. little faster yeah. than move boys into even. Move a little faster. Yeah. So, so being a student, you talked about even the last episode, being a student of your child, yeah. understanding your child, knowing where they are on the cognitive level, the stage they are is really important yeah. in this. I remember even when we were, when our oldest um, was really young and we, she was only, she was one, I think one or one and a half. And we started figuring out, okay, how do we discipline at such a young age? And somebody said, well, we do timeouts with that are a minute for each yeah, age good. for each year. Mm-hmm. So that was something we did at the beginning. We actually have carried that through with each of our kids. So when they're one, they get a one minute timeout, but when they're five, they get a five minute timeout and probably something else to, to walk through what's next and how we can help them. So each age and stage, even each year and each season has to look a little bit different in mm-hmm. how we address what they did and how we discipline or how we, how we constructively apply criticisms, criticism to whatever that is. Mm. That's good. Now, we can also go back to um, some Bible references and talk about people who messed up in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And that's, I think, the the blessing in all this and in, in being able to explain to your kids, it's normal to make mistakes. Yep. And we have a zillion Bible references. Actually, to the math, there's actually a zillion. No. Um, wow. uh, so many fantastic reference points to people in Scripture who made big mistakes, who, who messed up, and that didn't disqualify them from being a recipient of God's love or His call on their life. Like, God still has a plan and a purpose for you. You're still uniquely and wonderfully made. You have talent, personality, and abilities that God has this incredible intention to use. And so part of this moment when your kid messes up is just a blessing because you're able to say, hey, everybody messes up. In Romans 3.23, everybody sinned. We all yep. fall short of the glory of God. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we do it on purpose. Sometimes it's a complete and total accident. And we're going to demonstrate for you grace in this moment. Um, I think a lot of times when I look at parents in the Bible, I go back to several. There's a picture of the, the prophet Eli. And, and we know the story of Samuel being dedicated and going to live in his household and to be a servant of the prophet. And that moment when he hears God's voice and he's like, hey, why did you call me? And Eli's like, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Oh, it's probably God. So ask him what he wants. Um, well, a little lesser known story is that Eli had some sons who were really wicked. Um, they were older, uh, Hophni and Phineas. Um, yeah. You meet people named Phineas. Like, why'd, why'd your parents pick a Bible name that's like 
such a bad character. That's okay, because this bad character was created by God, an image of, you know. So this moment where Eli just completely ignores the bad behavior. And so as a parent, we can't do that. Like we can't ignore the moments when our kids make mistakes because we are supposed to coach. We are supposed yeah. to influence. We are supposed to enter into that. Um, but then we also can't overreact. There's a moment in First Samuel later on, we've got Saul. He's the king of Israel and his son, Jonathan, does something that he doesn't like. Um, you know, it's all about that David story. And he throws a spear at his head. Clearly, that's um, an offense. Taking that's going to get. Yeah. That's taking. taking it it, yes, okay. it is taking it too far. Public service announcement: Let it be said that if you throw a spiritual <laughs> kid's head, it's too far. Um, but that's it. Like, but we have those moments, like where I'm just completely ignoring the bad behavior, and you see that, and you guys know, and I know, like we have kids who are friends of our kids, and they just get away with anything, and and you're kind of as a parent trying to figure out, oh, I need to steer my kid away from sure. that because. Yeah. You know, that's going to, there's a corruption there. And it's like, he who walks with the wise will become wise. The companion of fools will suffer harm. And so you're, you're always on the lookout for the kids that your kids are hanging out with and how their parents are parenting, because it will have an influence. There's, there's some permissiveness out there that's dangerous, but then there's also some aggression out there that's really dangerous. And we probably teetered more towards one side or the other. Um, And then of course, you've got God the Father and the picture of the prodigal son. Yes. This kid that goes away and makes like a gazillion mistakes, like ruin your whole life mistakes, and that the Father welcomes him back home. And so where do we want to land in that? There's a ton of examples in Scripture of kids making big, crazy errors and how the parents responded. We can take some wisdom yeah. there. And you said passive, that we see some parents being kind of passive in yeah. the way that they parent. And the word that came to mind for me was consistency. Because yes. sometimes I think that we do start out on the way that we want to go. And we start out with uh-huh. saying, when you do A, it's going to result in B. And we do that a few times. And we do that a few times. And then life gets busy. And then the other kid needs something. And then the baby is crying. And we don't address it anymore. And all of a sudden, there's no consistency. Uh-huh. And we're not doing a great job of parenting when we let it go. And then it turns into passive mm-hmm. and we just, we just let our kids be, you know, run the house. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And and I think there's a um, reactive parenting versus proactive parenting. Yeah, I think that's yeah. really important yeah, to distinguish. I think re- the reactive parenting is in the moment you're, you're just looking for a quick fix. You're looking for the, the quick answer, the just quick correction, the quick behavior modification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop doing the thing you're yes. doing. Yep. That's a really good yeah. behavior modifications. And then proactive is looking at the long-term. What's, what's the long-term game here? And I, I love to, to talk about this with, with parents, and we do this all the time, is it, um, is it you're really what's you're preparing for the end? What's the end? The end is whenever they, it's not the end of your parenting, but whenever they leave your home, that's an end of an era that you are trying to build a foundation. So you're, you're developing, hey, what do I want my ch- child to know? What I want them to do? What I, what I want their character to be like? By the time they leave my home, these are the things that we want them to be able to to, to do. That's proactive parenting. Mm-hmm. That's planning for the long, long haul. I want my child to be able to recognize, own, and admit um, when they've made a mistake and also learn how to correct that for the future, like glean yeah, the wisdom yeah. from it in the principled moment. Here's a question, because I've heard it both ways by authors, speakers, child psychologists that I, I believe and know and trust that have wisdom on the subject. Um, there are some that say when your kid is really young, like all the kids that we're parenting, whether it's the 16-year-old all the way down to the three, four-year-old, um, that when your child does something wrong, maybe to one of their siblings or to one of their friends, you tell them, tell tell your sister that you're sorry. 
um, tell your sister that yeah, you've made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. And and some say that's a great idea. Um, yes, you're you're modeling for them what to do when you make a yeah. mistake. And some say no, you absolutely shouldn't do it because you're bypassing the actual remorse that should go into making the apology. I, I know where we've landed and where I feel like we've made some errors along the way. What about you guys? How do you feel about telling your kids? Tell so-and-so you're sorry. <laughs> we just did that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's moments where you have 30 seconds and you're trying to make peace before you run out the door, mm-hmm. like we've talked about before. But we we definitely still address the issue, even in a sibling moment like mm-hmm. that, even if it's quick. What did you just do? What just happened? Why was that wrong? And then have the apology moment. And something that in our house that we do is not just, I'm sorry, but Why the will you? you forgive me yeah, yeah. is oh, okay, important yeah, yeah. for us because we we've, we think it's really important to pass the baton to the person that you hurt, the person yes. that you've injured in yes. some way and give them a moment to to receive your apology and then to respond in love. And sometimes you need a minute and you walk away from it. So there's those, those, those apology moments with siblings like that where you do have to take a little while and then there's the quick ones. I have definitely been guilty of Please tell your sister you're sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, me sure. too. Me too. And and my dad, my parents were really big on this growing up. So anytime that we had this, um, uh, whether that's we disobeyed mom, dad would always, always come into our, our room at night. Even when we got to be teenagers, he sat on our bed. He said, you really need to go say sorry to your mom. And, and so that built in us this, uh, this sensitivity to go right something that we mm-hmm. wronged. Now, here's what I would add to that. We we ha- also have to acknowledge what are we sorry for? Mm-hmm. Like I think you got to acknowledge like what what is and that's that's coachable, teachable, then that's that's Courtney whenever we we first got married. In fact, I, I had this I would say sorry and I would got used to saying sorry without explaining. So Courtney when we got married, she she I would say sorry to her. She said, like, "What are you sorry for?" And so I would have to explain it to Courtney yeah, like what it is. Because I didn't I didn't grow up yeah. explain it. I, yeah. Even though I built this habit of saying sorry, I didn't explain like why. Yeah. What what happened to the relationship that, that I'm sorry for? I definitely understand the psychology of not forcing or leading our kids to do that haphazardly when they don't understand it, when there's no teachable yeah. moment behind it. Um, that sorry shouldn't be this abracadabra magic word that automatically gets you out of jail free. Um, it doesn't eliminate the consequence. It doesn't take away the hurt. Um, we know that there's there's hurt that's written on us when somebody's wronged us. And so it doesn't take that away. You are giving the other person an opportunity to exhibit grace and be forgiving. Um, but the theology of it, preparing your kid to be somebody who goes out into the world, yes. who can acknowledge before both God and others, yes. I'm human and I make mistakes. I can recognize them. I can own them. And still be in a relationship with you because of it. And I think that's kind of the, and you're prepping your kids on both sides, those who've been wronged and those who've committed the offense to say, I made a mistake, I do need forgiveness, um, and thank you for being forgiving. And I think that's a, yeah. that paints a picture of the gospel yeah, it's really, in our homes. Yes, and I like, it's parenting to build relationships, not tear mm-hmm. relationships down, yeah. right? And it's easy for me to say, hey, um, that even when they do make a mistake and you've got it, you know, you got to give a consequence, you know, that you got to do something, but, but not just doing the consequence, but what can you do to restore the relationship that may be um, broken in some way? And, um, and so Andy Stanley is a pastor in Atlanta. He, and the way he parented, he just released a parenting book and kind of wrote some ideas. Um, And he, he wrote, um, he wrote about a story of, of his son. He did something wrong with his, 
to mom lied or disobeyed mm-hmm. or something like that. So what his goal was, hey, I want them to confess, but there has to be some sort of retribution. There has to be some sort of yeah. consequence. But also, I also want to be about the relationship. How do you make the relationship right? And so here's hit what he did. He said uh, he... Um, he actually made, I think it was maybe Andrew, it's in the book, so it's public. Andrew, he had him um, uh, go dress up, go outside, come knock on the door, and they knew it was planned, um, but he had to invite his mom on a date. Um, and that was his retribution, right? That was his punishment. You got to invite your mom on a date. You I don't got, know how I'd feel this moment if I was the mom. Like, wait, is she my knew. kid's punishment to I hang out punishment. with me? That's the thing. <laughs> I got to get on board with this. They both knew uh-huh. that it was the punishment. Yeah. But he had to pay for it, drive drive the car. He had to do all the things. And in the end, it built the relationship. It, it made right the the wrong. And so they spent time talking at dinner and those kind of things. So his his big thing was, hey, let's do things. The Even the consequence, even the retribution should be about building relationships. I was listening to several years ago now, and it was, I don't know if it was the context of a sermon or something that she had written down, um, but Sharon Hottie Miller, I don't even know if I'm saying her middle name or the, the maiden name, the Hottie Miller, but anyway, Sharon Miller um, was talking about the prodigal son um, and just that picture of what our role is as parents. And um, I think a lot of times, where we are in the world of parenting and where maybe the folks in our audience are, um, we're not talking about the young adult that's really wayward and gone away. Um, but what is our job now, knowing that that could be on the horizon for our kids? Um, she talked about the prodigal parent making home some place that the kid would ultimately want to be. Yeah, And I thought that was so important. And making home the place that the kid always knew that they could come. Um, and I love that. And it painted the whole picture of like the prodigal father didn't chase after the son, didn't plead with the son, didn't berate the son for all the mistakes that he was making, knew everything that was possible from that kid's decisions. And yet his whole goal for however long the son was away, for however long the mistake was going on, was to make home the place that the kid wanted to be, yeah. that he longed for. Um, and that he knew he could go no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I've thought about that, like as we parent our kids, particularly through these teenage years where we see and we pray for a lot of our friends, parents who are walking through mm, big rebellion and yeah. big retaliation and n- knock on wood or land on my knees. It hasn't been our story yet. Um, our kids haven't rebelled in that way. And we're thankful for that. That's God given. Um, but what if they do? What if they did? Um, have we cultivated enough of a relationship like Chase was talking about and enough of a, have we cultivated the right kind of home that no matter how far they go or no matter how bad it gets, not only can they come home, but would they want to? Um, that's the goal. I think that's the end goal. Like as we're parenting those little moments when you just want your kids to stop fighting. Yeah, yeah. And then also the big ones where your 16 year old is yelling and storming out the door. Like, in all the moments in between, we want home to be a place that they want to go they back to, to and that they feel like they can. And that starts yeah. out early with we get to be their safe space to Absolutely. make a mistake when they're one, yeah. when they're five. And then when they're 16, we get to be that safe space at home where they can make a mistake. So it is, it's important. It's, Absolutely. It takes intentionality in how we respond when our kids mess up. To know that you're always forgiven, that we yeah. always prioritize the relationship. And that's how God does us. And yes. so it comes that full circle of like, Absolutely. we get to paint a picture. 
dad messes up all the time. And yet God loves us that much. He sent Christ to die. That thing you just did to your brother, Jesus died for that. Yeah. Willingly, not begrudgingly. He's like, well, I got to hang on the cross today and die because Nora Blake was mean to her brother. No, like he lovingly did that for us, um, no matter how big the mistake is. That's kind of a cool picture that while we get we were, to paint. While we were yet sinners, Christ died yeah. for us. And there you go. A good, good picture with the Roman series now. Mm-hmm. Um, That's anyway, awesome. This is awesome, guys. Well, bottom line, our kids are going to make mistakes. Yes. Um, they're going to make big mistakes. They're going to make challenging mistakes. And we're going to shed tears over it. Um, and we're going to have issues with it. One of the things that um, Susan and I have wrestled with, but we've strived for, is to always be on the same page. Um, and we haven't always been. We haven't always been on the same page about the rules and the parameters and the mistakes and the consequences. Um, and so, but it's the goal. It's the goal to prioritize that marriage relationship, um, but then also always to prioritize the relationship that we have with our kids. So your kids are going to make mistakes. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to paint a picture of the gospel that makes Absolutely. them always know that home is where I can go. I love that. I'll tell this really quick story because I just read the book on Andy Stanley. I'm, he told a story about... He went to um, this pastor church in Atlanta, right? Charles Stanley is his dad, and mm-hmm. he was uh, First Baptist Atlanta. Yeah, he just and passed he, away this just year. Just passed away this year, Sad. and he would he would have a tell. They would be on TV, and so mm-hmm. um, he would leave church and go to the varsity with his his best friend Louis Giglio. And, <laughs> I read that story too. And yeah, he would. Yeah. They would um, get to the varsity, and they would turn on the station to where his dad was preaching, so he can at least hear what his dad was saying, so he'd be intelligent enough to. Uh, on the car ride home, he'll be able to talk about the sermon a little bit. And so he thought he's being clever. And so he got into the car with his dad uh, after church, and they were heading home. And uh, Charles says, hey, somebody told his secretary at the time, somebody told her that they saw you at the varsity. Were you at the varsity? Um, and he just kind of left it left it that. But then he said this. He said, you know what I, you know what I told uh, her to tell that person? And Andy was like, what is he going to say? Um, he said, I told that person that they need to mind their business. They need to parent, parent their child, and I'll parent my child. Yeah. And he didn't say anything else the rest of the time. You know what that told Andy? That my dad was for me. Yeah. He, he knew that I messed up. He knew that he messed up, right? But in the end, it told him, man, my dad really He's for me. He cares for me. He loves me. He's not going to come down on me. I think we have to pick our moments with the, that kind of discipline. To choose your battle. You yeah. Choose your battle. But but for Andy, that was a big deal. And he tells a story today, over and over and over again, and how how that built trust with his with his dad. To raise kids that know that we've got their back when they yeah. mess up, that we're absolutely going to call them out. That we're going right. to say, yeah, this was a mistake. You stepped outside the bounds. Here's the consequences for it. But I've got your back no matter what. Um, It's good. So, well, we want to pray and and just kind of pray for parents and pray for each other um, to say these moments are hard. We acknowledge that they're difficult, um, and yet we have a heavenly Father. What a great picture that God allows us to come to Him as that loving parent, um, modeling that for our kids and helping them cultivate that in their own lives with us. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the chance um, to lean into these conversations. Um, We don't want to be passive parents. We don't want to be aggressive parents. Uh, We want to be purposeful parents who Mm. prioritize the relationship that we have with our kids that always sees the moment um, to communicate the power of the gospel, that we are a forgiven people. We can be a forgiving people. um, And our kids need to know that we have their back no matter what, that we're for them 
in the same way that you, Father, are for us. Um, thank you for that picture, too. Thank you that when Jesus was um, teaching his disciples, when he was prompted to, to teach them how to pray, he invited all of us to come to you as a loving father. And so we, we, we praise you for that today. We tell you thank you for that today. Help us to be mindful of that as we parent our kids, to always make home a place that they can go back to, always be people that they can trust when they err, not if. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What to Say When is part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to subscribe now as we take off on this incredible parenting journey together.